Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. Think about how far you've come personally um, over the last couple of years, or is that not really your nature to look back like that? Yeah, um, it's, it's not the time for me to reflect on that because I'm not done. We know, we know it's going to be loud. Uh, you know, um, but no stadium is as loud as ours. But at the end of the day, you know, they're at home, NFC Championship, they're going to be all riled up. And, you know, it don't, it don't really too much. We don't really too, too much feed into all that. You know, we put the pads on and just go to work. What is it about that Bengals offense that maybe impresses you the most? You played Nothing. it a few times? Nothing. Okay. Right. <laughs> I mean, lean on your teammates. Stay poised in the noise. And that's just what it's going to be. I just look in everybody's eyes right now, and I could just sense, like, my dogs is ready, especially come last week. You just look around in the locker room and you just know that them boys is ready. Oh, 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 oh. Welcome to Brother from Another on a championship Friday. It's, cha- it's championship Friday. I know championship Sunday is coming up in a couple of days, but championship Friday is a whole thing. It's a preparation you have to go through AFC championship NFC Championship, the four best teams in the National Football League. There, no, nobody crashed the party. There's nobody you look at and say, "Well, they're not supposed to be here." I think the Cincinnati Bengals feel like you think that about them, and I did think that about them last year, but this year I, I'm a convert. So I'm so looking forward to Bengals Chiefs from. Arrowhead, or as the Bengals call it, Burrowhead Stadium. I'm so looking forward to Brock Purdy's first game outside of the Pacific time zone. Going into Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia, 49ers versus Eagles. I'm so excited. I'm excited. You know, it's not even about hot takes. It's not even about the the predictions. It's just this is one of my favorite moments on the sports calendar. Now, some people are in the March Madness. Uh, not necessarily for me. Uh, it, it doesn't do it for me. I mean, it's fine. Uh, from a gambling perspective, it's fine. But it doesn't do it for me. Final Four, it's fine. It's good. College football championship, if the Buckeyes had won, sure. I'd go crazy over that, but that's okay. NBA Finals is cool. NBA All-Star Weekend is cool. But this right here, the Final Four, Conference championship. I like all of the pageantry. I like all of the storylines. You all, you all have something in drafts right now, and Burt Breer does too. You have something in drafts for each of these four teams. Okay. Now, as a fan, you say, if Kansas City wins, this is how I feel. Uh, If Cincinnati wins, I feel this way. Philadelphia, San Francisco, so on. And so do members of the media. Burt, we got narratives all ready to go. We just need the games to take place so we can then put out our takes. What are you most looking forward to, Burt Breer? Great football insider. What are you most looking forward to seeing this weekend? You know, I I think like honestly, like how the quarterbacks in Philadelphia play, you know, because I think there's so many questions about how that's going to play out and what Jalen Hurts is going to look like on this stage, what Brock Purdy is going to look like on this stage. Two guys who are non-first round picks. 
Obviously, Jalen Hurts is more accomplished further along in his career. Um, you know, but both those guys replace big money quarterbacks in those places. Both those guys are supported by really great rosters. And I, I just think, I think we have an idea. If, if Mahomes is relatively healthy, I think we have an idea of how Cincinnati, Kansas City is going to play out. And that that could be like a last possession type of game. I have no idea like how Philadelphia San Francisco is going to play out. And I think that's exciting, you know, because you have this variable of young quarterbacks who, you know, again, we just don't have a ton of evidence of what they're going to look like in this sort of stage. Um, And, you know, I, I don't know that we really got it in the first couple of rounds of the playoffs either. The Niners went going away in the first round. And then in the second round, you know, against Dallas, they really managed Brock Purdy and the Eagles win over the Giants was such a runaway that I don't know that we got a great look at Jalen Hurts on that stage either. So to me, like this is going to be fascinating, like how the quarterbacks are managed in this game um, and how the teams, how the defenses attack the quarterbacks. I just, I think there are so many different potential results that are in play here. Whereas, you know, I think the Kansas City Cincinnati game is just a little bit more of a traditional heavyweight fight. You know, tell me if you're feeling me on this. I was thinking about this the other day when looking at conference championship weekend. We know from uh, our time observing and studying the New England Patriots that for a long period, even when they weren't winning championships, they had a front door. You you know it was a a long run. When your dynasty has a front door and a back door, you win three in the front door and three in the back door, and you're competitive in the middle really highly competitive playing in conference championship games and not necessarily winning Super Bowls or going to Super Bowls and not winning, which the Patriots did for 10 years in the middle of their dynasty. They went to two Super Bowls and lost them. But in the front door and back door, they won championships. They were the the class of the NFL. Everything started Mm -hmm. with the Patriots and it was a trickle down. And I feel like whether it's their performance on the field, members of their coaching staff being plucked off, members of their front office becoming general managers elsewhere, Thomas Dimitrov, uh, Jason Light, Scott Pioli, all that. I think what's at stake in the NFC, Bert, is kind of the same thing. The organization that wins this, I'm going to not only crown them with the George Hallis Trophy, I'm going to crown them as the the model organization, not only in the NFC, but maybe in sports. Think about what Philadelphia has done on the field and what Howie Roseman has done, acquiring players, coaches that they've sent around the league. In San Francisco, hey, Rand Carthon just got the general manager's job in Tennessee. Mike McDaniel and Robert Sala in New York and the what they've done on the field. Isn't this a a matchup of the prime franchises in the conference? Yeah, and I think like you see what Kansas City's achieved in the in the AFC too, and how Cincinnati's set up, and you have sort of a similar thing in the AFC. But I'm with you. I mean, you think about the accomplishment. The winner of the NFC title game is going to have been to the Super Bowl with two different quarterbacks over a very short period of time. You know, the the the, the Eagles made it with Nick Foles, and they would make it with Jalen Hurts. The Niners made it with Jimmy Garoppolo, and now they'd make it with Brock Purdy. And so I think that that is about as impressive as it gets, right? Like if you can get there with multiple quarterbacks in a short period of time like that and turn over the roster in a short period of time like that and continue to replenish the roster in an era when you constantly have to do that in a short period of time like that, 
I just think it speaks to so many things working in unison. I think that's what you're getting at, Michael, is, you know, you mentioned all those names in San Francisco, guys like Rand Carthon and Robert Sala and Mike McDaniel. I think D'Amico Ryans, Adam Peters are two more names, guys that are going to be head coaches and general managers soon. It's because other teams are looking at San Francisco and saying they have it working at every level. They're drafting and signing the right players. They're developing them the right way. They know what they want. They know what they're looking for, and they're going out and getting it. And you say the same thing for the Eagles, you know? I mean, the Eagles, they would have done it with two different head coaches, too. You know, you think about that. Like, Howie Roseman, Doug Peterson, and Nick Foles, and then Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts. Um, and you know, they, they've done it with a very well-defined philosophy that they'll build through the lines of scrimmage. Here's what's amazing. Think about this on the Eagles roster, right? I, 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 somebody can look this up. I'm not smart enough to figure it out, but I I can't imagine this has ever been done before. They have two guys on each line of scrimmage who've been there for 10 years or more and Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey on offense and, and Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox on defense. That's incredible. You know, like, so they've got these foundation pieces and they continued to kind of churn the roster around guys that they view as their culture setters. Um, I just think you're right. Like in the NFC, those two teams were like in the AFC, you can at least pin some of it with the quarterbacks, right? Like, like Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes are such a hard, such a huge part of the success there that it's hard to divorce them from how the rest of the operation works. In the NFC, you have two good examples of like organizations that are just sort of pulling every lever and and making everything work and really kind of moving in lockstep, which is why you see people coming along and trying to pluck guys from those organizations. So uh, in the AFC. Uh, and don't worry, I'm going to get to your picks before before we get you out of here. Don't worry about it. We'll get to your picks. But in AFC, Chiefs, I, I know a lot of people have focused on Burrow versus Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's natural. We, we, I get it. I get it. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I love both those guys, both, you know, top three quarterbacks of football. Yeah, all that stuff. But Kansas City has been to five straight conference championships. Yep. This is really a defining. This is a defining moment for Kansas City. Not like, oh, they don't win this. Jobs heads will roll. No, I'm not going there. What I'm saying is, if you go back to the '70s, the the Oakland Raiders at that time, the Oakland Raiders went to multiple conference championship games in a row in the 1970s. Like year after year after year, the Raiders were in the conference championship. But who had multiple Super Bowl titles in Steelers. the '70s? Wasn't the Raiders? Right. Steelers did the Dolphins did as well and back to back, you know, 72 73 Dolphins did, but the Raiders did not. So they were conference championship game participants and you knew you respected them. They knew what they were doing. Al Davis commitment to excellence, all that stuff. They got multiples in the 80s, but not in the 70s. This may be a stake here. Like if Joe Burrow and the Bengals beat them again again, at their home stadium with a chance to go to the Super Bowl again. Not that Patrick Mahomes won't win another Super Bowl, but you got to start thinking, okay, what, what's going on here? I mean, well, that, that would be quite a story for a team that's been to five straight conference championships and to have one title. Yeah, and I think like, well, you can take another level too. I mean, if Cincinnati wins this game, they're going to have beaten them four times in the last 13 months. That's a pretty incredible number too. Like they're four and zero. They'd be four and zero against them. So, 
You know, I I hesitate a little, Michael, because the Chiefs are in a different spot than the Bengals are right now in that the the Bengals are st- still have Joe Burrow on his rookie contract. And I think like what the Chiefs have been able to accomplish after trading Tyreek Hill, like how many quarterbacks could trade could could have their team trade away their number one receiver, maybe the best receiver in the league, and Tyreek Hill and still be back yeah. here and still be playing as well as he is. And you look then across the rest of the roster, right? They completely blew up and rebuilt his offensive line in 2021. And he got back to the conference title game. And this year they blew up his skill position players. He's got a rookie behind him at running back. Four of the top five wide receivers statistically for the team were not on the team last year. I I feel like we, because of because Mahomes has been great for a while now, I feel like we sort of undersell that part of it. So before I say what I'm going to say here, I think Mahomes has had a remarkable year and deserves the MVP. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That said, yeah, there's pressure on the Chiefs. Yeah, absolutely. Like because you, I think competition is only going to get stiffer in the AFC because you have these two. You know, then you're also got Justin Herbert in Los Angeles. If they get things right there, you have Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, right? You have Josh Allen in Buffalo. You have Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. I, you just look at it and it's like, it's not going to get any easier in the AFC over the next few years. And Mahomes is going to continue to be expensive and they're going to have to continue to hit on draft picks and it gets harder and harder to do it. And you and I both know that. So I, I do think that there is pressure on the Chiefs to take advantage of the opportunity that's in front of them because, man, I mean, what questions are we going to be asking, you know, at, 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 at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock on Sunday night if the Chiefs lose to the Bengals? And, look, it's, it would be excusable. The Bengals have a great team, and Mahomes has the injury and everything else. But what questions are we going to be asking at 10 o'clock if we're looking at it and it's, okay, five AFC title games, but just two Super Bowl chan- two two Super Bowl appearances and one win. I you know I I, I think that that's something that I, I definitely put some pressure on some people in Kansas City going into Sunday. Now I'm going to ask you who's going to win the game, and then um, I want to get to one more topic before we let you go. And before I ask you that, I'm going to tell you, I, you know, maybe you have some advice, and this may not play well in certain audiences. I understand it, but there's been a fly uh, in the studio in the home studio here. It's been a fly for like a week. And, you know, I, I, I'm a lover. I'm not a fighter. So I have not <laughs> taken my fly swatter. You haven't rolled up the newspaper just, like, yet? <laughs> I haven't just, like, smashed it. No, I have. I have. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to let it happen naturally. You know, yeah. this fly deserves it. This fly deserves to go out on its own terms. I've opened the door many times. And <laughs> yeah. the fly won't go out the freaking door. And it keeps flying on my bald It'll head. It'll come close to the door. And then when you open it, it backs off, right? Okay, so uh, listen, what do you want? What do you, I don't know what you want. You're a passive aggressive fly. You like you want to annoy me, but then when you have a chance to yeah. leave, you're indecisive. So I may kill the fly while we're on the air. Uh, I just want that, that, that's the that's that whole that whole preamble is there may be a fly killing on brother from another Murder? just want to let you yeah, want to let you know. I want to let you know that. So uh, tell me this who's going to win? Um, who's going to be playing in the Super Bowl? Uh, after well, uh, Sunday night, who who, who are I think it's going to be? I think we're going to get the third edition of Bengals Niners, a rematch of Super Bowl. I think it's sixteen, right in Super Bowl twenty three, classic from my childhood. 
Everybody of my age remembers John Taylor and, and the catch he made on that night. And I believe Jerry Rice was the MVP of that game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I mean, look, Michael, I think Mahomes' injury is going to be a factor. And I just I, – I go back in my mental Rolodex and try to think of, like, all the times you hear the words high ankle sprain. And I can't think of too many occurrences where it wasn't a factor in a game. You know? That's right. Like, That's and, and right. People always say the right things during the week. But I can't think of too many instances where you heard about that injury and then you got to Sunday and you weren't thinking about it and it wasn't a factor. And I, I think the Bengals have a defensive coordinator in Luana Rumo who has done well against the Chiefs the last three times they faced off and is going to have a plan to challenge him and force him to test that ankle and see where he's at early in that game. And so I think we're going to know pretty early how limited Mahomes is. And I I just, it's hard to bet against Burrow in these situations. And, you know, I, I think he's the best big game, big game quarterback in football right now. Um, I think he's the descendant of Tom Brady. And I know that those are heavy words, but I, I just mm. think the way he, how easy he makes it look is a result of all the things that he does pre-snap, all the things he does post-snap. It looks easy for him because it is easy for him. And he's manipulating defenses in a way that few quarterbacks can't just like Brady did. San Francisco, I just look at them, and Michael, it's about players, you know, and you just, like, look at the amount of blue-chip players on that roster. Trent Williams, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. It's – they come at you in waves, and they are so fast. And I – I've watched Kyle Shanahan and D'Amico Ryans and the way they've coached the last couple of years and the way they took a team that was flawed last year all the way to the NFC title game and got the Rams down on the ground and almost choked them out. And I just, I I trust Kyle and D'Amico in this situation. I trust their talent. I think the Niners are going back to the Super Bowl. I think we're going to rematch a Super Bowl 16, a rematch a Super Bowl 23. And I hope I have those numbers right. I think that's the right numbers. Yeah, um, I think so. Yep. I think that's right. Yeah. And and then I think the Bengals are going to win their first Super Bowl. Uh, both both close games that the Bengals lost. So in this case, uh Bengals win it. Last thing. Look, Jim Trotter and I uh did the show yesterday and we were both nothing personal. We were both pissed off about your tweet. Not because it was you, it was the content of your tweet. I'm sure you got it and we got it. We understand that you're doing the job, but mm-hmm. Steve Wilkes, Steve Wilkes, yeah. six and six as an interim coach, pushed out the door. Frank yeah. Reich comes in and takes it. And your tweet was something like, hey, this is a pretty good job. And it could get even better if they find a quarterback. And and my thought is, and the reason it, it bothered me was, yeah, well, why couldn't Steve Wilkes get that right. opportunity? He already proved on the fly yeah. that he was able to get a program, cobble a program together with no training camp, he established a clear vision, and and uh, Trotter. He didn't tell us the names, but Trotter said, "Look, I, I I know from Wilkes. Wilkes told me some of the people he was considering for an OC position, and these were some yeah. big time names. So, why do you think I, mean, I, I can tell you? I think he would have gotten Brian Johnson out of out of Philadelphia, who would have been a big name. Um, and to get him from that program, I think that that would have yeah, been yeah. He's been mentioned twice." He's been mentioned twice on this show uh, already this week, I think, or in the last two weeks. Rita Hubbard mentioned him and said uh, that that's her number one choice for Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah. But why, I, why did Carolina I, make the decision it made? So, like, I anybody who knows me knows, like, I think the offensive coach thing is overrated. I really do. Like, and I and I think you can look at the history of it. John Harbaugh developed Lamar Jackson. Pete Carroll developed Russell Wilson. Bill Belichick developed Tom Brady. I, you can go. I mean, you go name after name after name. Ron Rivera developed Cam Newton, right? Like, so I personally think it's overrated. However, I don't think owners do. And I think when an owner is determined, I need to go find a quarterback, he gets fixated on an offensive coach. Even though, like the evidence tells us over the years that if you find the right quarterback, a defensive coach can develop him. So that's right. I I think that I think I think it's an owner who went into this process. I if you want to like know how how David Tepper handled this in October, November, after he fired Matt Rule, he went and looked at young offensive names and his idea was, I'm going to go get my own Kyle Shanahan, my own Sean McVay and the team got fired. And Steve Wilkes like captivated that locker room and the players were behind him. The organization was behind him. The city was behind him. And David Tepper to his credit said, Whoa, like look at like what somebody experienced can do, right? Like look at like the job that somebody who's been in these shoes before can do look at what Steve Wilkes has done. And I think he was of a mind to go and hire Steve Wilkes. I think the quarterback thing got in his head. And I, and I think that they believe organizationally that they're a quarterback away. And if you look at the roster, there's reason to believe that. Like, look at the young talent on the roster, Michael. I know I'm going long-winded here, like, as usual. But if you look at the talent, like, Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin, J.C. Horn, Iki Iquanu, D.J. Moore – they have horses there. Like that's going to, that could be a good team in a hurry if you get the quarterback position. Right. And I think like Tepper took the, okay, I need somebody. I, I sort of like want to pivot to going with somebody experienced to, can I get somebody experienced? Who's also going to work with the quarterback. And again, like I, I I'm the first person that'll tell you, I don't think it's necessary to bring in an offensive yeah. court, coach. To get I, the think, quarterback I think it's position. so bogus. It's, I, I think, think it's I, so bogus. I, I, I think it is. I, I think I, I don't think that that's correct, but I know owners think that way. And I think that this was sort of a result of David Tepper middling the whole thing and saying, I like Steve Wilkes' experience, but man, I'm still fixated on finding myself an offensive coach. And so I think in that way, Steve Wilkes almost led him to Frank Reich, which is unfortunate because Wilkes really deserves the shot. I mean, I, I can tell you the identity. But you know what? I'm going to say, but Tepper, but Tepper led himself to Frank Wright because if Steve Wilkes was able to show this to him, then he should have brought in Wilkes. Maybe he should have showed up for the last game. I don't know. He wasn't there for the last game of the season. Uh, Maybe he should have been more present and said, all right, Steve, tell me about how do you assess our franchise? Obviously, you had Baker Mayfield. See See you later. Baker Mayfield had to go. P.J. Walker played. He got hurt. Sam Darnold played. He got hurt. Then back and forth. When Darnold was healthy, Walker was out. When Walker was healthy, Darnold was out. The whole thing. Hey, what do you think you could do with the quarterback? And what's your plan for developing a quarterback? If he really wanted him, if he really wanted to give him an opportunity, and that sweatshirt, that hoodie, that uh, one of those uh, pictures we had there, we had a hoodie of uh, a picture of of Wilkes in a hoodie that said, uh, opportunity on the back mm-hmm. and that's ironic because this is a man and his two stops who's lacked 
real opportunities. It's too bad. Yeah. It's really I too bad. I thought, like, I thought this was I, a good I, fit. Look, here. like I think I think the other teams involved would be smart to give him a call and at least talk to him. I mean, the Denver search might be resetting a little bit if D'Amico decides to go to Houston over Denver. I just, I, I think if you look at the identity that Wilkes was able to build with that team, the way they ran the ball at the end of the year, despite having traded Christian McCaffrey, the way the young players played under him, again, like I just think there was so much merit to to looking at him as a head coach. But I, I do think, again, in like a certain way, his success led them to Reich. And I just think too many owners are fixated. I mean, I, here I'll give you the perfect thing. Like, Michael, I think if you ask Sean McVay himself, he would like rank like his ability to hold a play sheet and call an offense like fifth or sixth most important quality he has as a head coach. I think Kyle Shanahan would probably tell you something similar. Like, but I like it. These guys get fixated on that, and here we are. Here we are, Bert. Championship weekend. Appreciate the knowledge. Enjoy the games. We'll talk to you next uh, week. Thanks, brother. All right. Thanks, Michael. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sanders in corredor, Hertz in rifle, dos receptores ambos lados. Hertz, pase por el lado derecho, es Devante Smith. Smith a la cinco, Devante Smith, touchdown! Philadelphia, Devante Smith con el wide receiver screen. La pantalla por el lado derecho, consigue las nueve yardas, chocando con par de gigantes. Y los Eagles extienden la ventaja a 13 por 0. Hertz, Devante Smith para Philadelphia. Oh, I'm telling you, I can listen to that call all day. I can listen to that all day. Ricky Ricardo, fantastic broadcaster, whether he's broadcasting in Spanish or in English, has been all over uh, professional sports, has done some stuff with the hated Yankees. I'm not going to hate on you for that, though. I've uh, <laughs> done some games for the Yankees uh, here in Boston, you know, down for the Red Sox. But also, but this is where it's really uh, relevant, and I'm, I'm jealous of you. Because your beat, your focus will be on the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday when they take on the 49ers, host the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. It's the early game, 
and I'm excited for it. Ricky, I, I've been saying, I've been telling people, I'm representing Philly this week. Because I, I want, I don't, yeah, only, only because I can't stand San Francisco. I don't want to see San Francisco win. So <laughs> what can you tell me? What can you tell me to make me feel better that, that my Eagles, your Eagles and mine, for the sake of this conversation, are going right. to step up and do step up and do the job on Sunday. Tell tell me something that will encourage me and assure well, me. Uh, look, I, I think when it comes down to it, and I know they're not on the field at the same time. I get it, but the quarterback position is one sided, in my opinion. Here, Brock Purdy. I don't care about any homecoming game in the Big Twelve at Iowa State against Iowa. Who I don't care. He has never experienced anything like he's going to experience at Lincoln Financial Field this Sunday afternoon with a tremendous atmosphere. That Philadelphia fan base is going to make young Brock Purdy wish he brought some diapers with him. All right? So, and Jalen Hurts, to me, and I don't have a vote, and maybe he won't get the award because he missed a couple of games because of that injury uh, that he suffered against the Bears late in the season. But I think Jalen Hurts is hands down the MVP. Hands down. No, Hands down. Hands down. MVP what? of the National Football League this season. And I think Jalen Hurts, who's going to come up big on Sunday afternoon, that's my comfort blanket, knowing that Jalen Hurts is piloting my team on Sunday afternoon to get me to Arizona and what would be my second Super Bowl ring and a joyous occasion on Broad Street in Philadelphia with another parade. Okay, now I like that. I, I was feeling good about this stuff until you said Jalen Hurts hands down. Because now, like, I felt like you were telling me some good stuff. Now, now, Ricky, I got to say, look at Patrick Mahomes. We just talked with Burt Breer a few minutes ago. Burt Breer points out Patrick Mahomes lost Tyreek Hill. He had a, a shuffle of his wide receiver room. Of course, he still has Kelsey. Got some rookie running backs. He's got a lot of rookies around him. And he's got his team in the conference championship game through a bunch of touchdown passes. Uh, you know, got the job done. Why do you say Hurts hands down over Mahomes? What does Hurts have that Mahomes doesn't? From what I saw this year, Michael, when Jalen Hurts was not on the field, the difference was so drastic with Gardner Minshew in the game, especially when you look at the game in Dallas on, on Christmas Eve or even when the New Orleans Saints came into Philadelphia and beat the Eagles without Jalen Hurts. Just, it is night and day, the two teams, when Hurts is on the field as compared when Jalen Hurts is not on the field. So if the award is most valuable to your team, look, I watched Henny the other day against Jacksonville march down the field with that set of receivers and what Andy Reid has been able to do scheme-wise, and Andy is obviously one of the guys that we admire in Philadelphia, but I, I saw the Chiefs continue to operate at a very, very high level without Patrick Mahomes. Now, you take Jalen Hurts out of the Eagle lineup, but what I saw this year was a sputtering engine that was nowhere near what it was when Jalen Hurts was on the field. And look, if I'm looking at it through Eagle-colored glasses, color me guilty of it, okay? But I just yeah, think Jalen Hurts right. has done a, just a tremendous job this year. And, and look, work ethic, Michael, I, I'll, I'll give you a comparison. Jalen Hurts is, to me, the equivalent of what Aaron Judge is in the Yankee clubhouse. Young, energetic, this new breed of athlete that is dedicated to his craft, 
and spreads an energy within the group of players that he's with, regardless of who gets traded in, who comes in, who comes out. It is contagious. The way a guy like Jalen Hurts spreads the work ethic, the professionalism, being level-headed, never too high, never too low, very, very similar to that of number 99 Aaron Judge that I deal with on a daily basis with the Yankees. Tremendous young athletes and tremendous young people. So you're on an MVP run. That's why you're spoiled now, Ricky. You know, right. Aaron Judge wins the MVP, and then you, you go over to the Eagles, and Jalen Hurts having an MVP-type season, so you think uh, he should get it too. Tell me this. We know about the MVPs. We know about uh, previous, and, and previous MVPs and MVP candidates, whether it's, you know, Mahomes in Kansas City uh, or, or Jalen Hurts right now in Philadelphia. Tell me, in Philadelphia, with the Eagles, Tell me somebody who is impactful but is not getting the credit from the national media where you all know locally, oh, man, they're missing it. This is a guy. This is a guy people should be talking about, and we don't talk about that person enough. Who is who is that? That's easy. Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick is a guy that came over as a free agent, local guy. Hassan Reddick has been that pass rusher, that guy, that dangerous guy that goes along with the tremendous depth that the Eagles have on the defensive line. And you mentioned earlier, you know, the names of uh, Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox. And there's a bevy of names that we can talk about. But the piece that was the final piece to that defense to really put pressure on the quarterback and has had a very quiet but tremendous season has been Hassan Reddick. He comes off that edge on either side, and he is a bolt of lightning. Putting Hassan Reddick on this team, and I watched this defense with a lot of the same guys for the last couple of years, but Reddick's addition this year, a brilliant signing by Howie Roseman. Look out for Reddick to make Brock Purdy's afternoon a nightmare on Sunday afternoon. But to answer your question, local product, no one talks about him. Hassan Reddick has been an incredible addition to the Eagle defense. I love it. And you know what else is incredible? And I'm always amazed by this. I- I'll tell you, uh, Ricky, this is just something I've always felt for a while. And maybe it's because, you know, I took uh, two. I- I'm ashamed to admit how many years of Spanish classes <laughs> I've taken between high school, probably like three years in high school, like three, four years, probably like three, four years in college, like every year in college. And then when I get into a situation where somebody speaks Spanish to me, I choke. I go, Wait a minute, slow down, slow down, slow down. What's the word? Okay, let me, let me, what, am I, what am I trying to say? So I'm always amazed by people who are able to do the job at a high level in English and in Spanish. You do that routinely. And what, what is your, is it the same approach when you're like Spanish language broadcast, English language broadcast? Is it the same approach or is there something that you say, okay, I'm going to do this for this one, but I'm going to put a little spin for this one. Like, give us some insight on that. I'm just, I'm fascinated by it. Well, okay, let's say on my talk shows, which are on both WFAN and WIP in, in New York and Philadelphia, that's easy. Those are in English. But when I do transition to Spanish, baseball is easy because, as you know, Michael, for Hispanics, you know, baseball is the game. So everything is basically just how you translate it. Baseball is a very Spanglish 
type of game. So a lot of English terminology is used in whether it be the Dominican Republic or Venezuela, Puerto Rico, Cuba, Mexico, which are the, you know, the, the main countries. There's a bunch of them starting to catch up now, like Colombia and different places around South America that are really starting to get high-energy baseball players and better programs. So it's easy in baseball when I am doing football. I don't want to use the term dumb it down, but we're seeing Hispanics around all of Central South America, and Mexico has been a huge place for the National Football League, a tremendous fan base as we see every time they have a game in Mexico City, all the fan clubs. You know, Mexico has been NFL country for a long time. Now that is starting to spread around Central and South America. What I try to do in Spanish for football is to make it a little easier to understand. There's a lot of, of terminology, there's a lot of intricacies for American football that might be a little difficult for the first year, second, fifth, fourth year listener around the Latino world. So I try to make it as easy to understand, you know, the clock, 10 yards gets you three more plays, possibly four more plays. So, you know, in, instead of complicating it too much, I try to make it as basic as possible so they can enjoy it. And then every week or every season, maybe throw a little bit more. It's a nickel defense. What is a nickel defense? It's five guys. You know, how do you translate that? It's a little tricky in Spanish, but it's something that I have taken as a personal project to educate my audience at the same time deliver the broadcast and entertain to make it fun while you're picking up on some of these things that are intricacies of American football. Well, I can see that you have entertained us so far. And so when our Eagles win on Sunday, Ricky, please come back next week. Come back next week. Talk a little trash uh, about San Francisco. Talk a little more trash about Brock Purdy. And since you have an R&B background, everybody doesn't know that. You told me this off the air, R&B background. You can come in and, 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 and tell us about some of your favorite mixes that you put together. You can share a mix with us. Whatever well, you want to do. What, Michael, this is a fact. The, the first guy to ever interview New Edition, when Arthur Baker first formed the group, okay? Uh-oh, Rock's very last. Shout out. Okay. Bobby Brown, all those guys, Ralph, they're all my buddies. The first interview they ever did on New York Radio was with yours truly going way back in the early days. I've been around a long, long time. Spent many a year with Rick James on tour. I got lots of stories to tell. Maybe we can do a book one day, Michael, okay? Oh, there it is. There it is. I love it. I love it. Ricky Ricardo, thanks for blessing the show. What a a wonderful debut. This was a debut, y'all. For Ricky, it won't be the last time he'll be on with us. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. You can have a conversation about what's happening in HBCU athletics and you can have a conversation about celebrity former NFL guys coming in and playing and one doesn't necessarily have to bleed into the other the same way and what we're seeing here is a lot of times it's being conflated and the people who are suffering happen to be a bunch of kids down on a campus that's had financial problems for 15 to 20 years now and they're not necessarily being heard the way they need to be heard because their educational problems go much deeper than anything Ed Reed was going to be able to fix. All right, uh, this is this is one of my favorite times of the week. One, get a chance to talk to Natalie. That's always great. You never know what Natalie's going to say. <laughs> so what's up? And, and that's a compliment, by the way. That's a compliment. Because some you. people, you don't know what they, you know, some people, you don't know what they're going to say and be like, okay, I ain't trying to hear this. But Natalie, mm-hmm. you always have some good stuff to say, some provocative things, provocative you know, just really makes us think a little bit more and think in, in uh, some different ways and different directions. So that's a compliment to you. So that's one this time of week. We'll always talk with Nat- Natalie. And two, it's the comment section. And Natalie, I got to tell you, I was a consumer. I was a consumer on Wednesday. I was not here. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm watching and listening to the show just like anybody else on Sirius XM. Channel 85, Peacock TV, <laughs> YouTube, you <laughs> wherever wherever you're consuming podcasts. I was doing that too. And I thought it was just a, a beautiful conversation, multi-layered conversation from a number of perspectives, some smart people weighing in on Ed Reed and Bethune Cookman. And I know our, our, our commenters have a lot to say about it. Ed Reed and Bethune Cookman came to an agreement. Ed did the IG said his office was dirty. He was cleaning up stuff. <laughs> Shouldn't have agreed to this. And Bethune Cookman said, oh, wait, wait a minute. Oh, hold on. You ain't gonna do this to us. And so they cannot come to a contract. And that's where we are. And having a conversation about Bethune Cookman, but, and also HBCUs at large. What do the people have to say about this? Yeah, I mean, there were hundreds of comments. Um, but I'm gonna say this one sort of captured, I think the overall sentiment by many. Um, listen to the students. They are validating that there are some serious problems at BCU. And then they just thought Ed was trying to shine a spotlight on it, even if, and many did acknowledge he may have not went about it in the best way. Um, But ultimately they think he was shining an important light. And then also here, this person brings up Dion did the same thing with JSU. So I have actually two questions I want to pose to you, but Okay. What I want to say is the reason I think the Jason sound before we started was so important is because 
he pointed out these are two distinct issues. And even Michael, you were listening to the show, so you heard him. A lot of things are being conflated. And even Dawn, who was one of the guests, said, like, we need to be talking more about solutions. Obviously, with like 25 minutes, there's only so much we can talk about. But I think that's important because there seems to be a frustration from people saying, like, y'all are just focused on Ed Reed's behavior and people are mad about Ed Reed's. And that's not just our comments to us. That's sort of like, you know, a lot of the conversation on social. This is a very polarizing topic. And my question to you is, are we spending too much time criticizing the way that Ed Reed went about this and ignoring the very important issues that the students are raising with the conditions at Bethune-Cookman University? And I want to make this very clear because people are lumping this together with Dion, but these are two different things. And it's right. like, this is like, yes, like we need to be careful not to make this a referendum on HBCUs, right? Like we know they have their issues. We know that, but that's not what this is about. There's some very specific things going on at BCU and the students don't seem to feel like their voices are being heard. They felt like Ed Reed was hearing their voices. And so are we not doing enough to, to, to talk about it from their perspective? That's a great question, Natalie. And I'm going to say, no, <laughs> have we spent too much time <laughs> on it? No, no, we haven't. Because I, I believe that a lot of people have the ability. Most people, they don't really call it this. But most people have the ability to multitask. That's how you are a functioning adult in the world. You are able to multitask. You are able to have conversations. Uh, you're able to have corporate conversations and personal conversations, serious ones and funny ones. You're able to think about your job and think about what you're going to do uh, later tonight. Like We're all capable of doing these things. So the fact that we spend some time criticizing Ed Reed and his approach to talking about real issues doesn't take us out of, okay, what about the students? We're doing the same thing. Ed Reed didn't handle it the right way. He didn't. And, and, and a lot of people, forget about, forget about Bethune-Cookman. If I say to you, Natalie, I have a problem with you. I have a pro if I have a work issue with you and we're colleagues, but I put my work issue, I go on IG, which would be something. I don't think I've ever gone IG live. But wouldn't that be something? My first time going IG live, I go, hey, let me tell you about Natalie. I'm just going <laughs> to put it out here. Uh, yeah. I, this is crazy. She's using my office at NBC headquarters, NBC Peacock headquarters. She's using my office. I don't appreciate it. All this stuff. So, yeah, I may have an issue, but I did it the wrong way. Why did he have to do it that way? That's one. Okay, right. Got it. Bethune Cookman. What are they trying to do? They may have handled it the wrong way too. They could have gone to Ed Reed and said, look, there's something in us that made us want to pick you as our head coach. And just because you did it this way doesn't mean we don't want you to be our head coach anymore, but we do want to let you know that this is not how we get down. We could talk about some of these other issues, but we don't like what you did. So a lot of people, a lot of people weren't at their shining best. But the students, I am paying attention to the students at Bethune-Cookman and students at other HBCU institutions. The last thing I'll say, Doc Johnson was on fire during that segment and pointing out that why do we keep talking about Jackson and Bethune-Cookman and e even Howard or Hampton? So there are 106, y'all know that? Right. There are 106 HBCUs. 
So we ain't just gonna focus on, you know, two, three, four, even a dozen places. This is a larger issue that deserves some deep conversation. We can't do it all, but we're starting the conversation and nobody else, nobody else in your mainstream okay. media atmosphere is doing what we're doing. I want to, I want to play a little devil's advocate. So it wasn't really a second question, but it's very rare that I'm someone who comes down like in the middle of something. I really like when people okay. just take a position. Um, That's good though. I, That's good. It's nuance. Yes. Nuance. Yes. But because I'm a lawyer, I still, I've just been trained to look at things like, you know, in a very nuanced way and from both perspectives. And I think of this somewhat in a little bit of a generational way, right? Like the employ the employment lawyer in me is like, what kind of etiquette was this? Like, what did you do? And just the lawyer in me is like, this is an effective messaging to get across what you want to happen, right? And then I think of myself not in comparison to the students, but if I just have conversations with my mother and how she gets like upset about certain things and I'm like, but who cares about all this miscellaneous stuff? Like if someone's cursing or doing this and she's just like that kind of behavior is inappropriate and missing the bigger purpose of whatever issue is I'm trying to get a point, you know, across to her or whatever's happening in the news. And I think in a generation, and I don't want to, I don't want to lump all students together and people are of different ages, but I think in a generation where a lot of their lives carry out on social media and they go to social media for things, they may not view this the same way that we do because that is how Got it. they get to, right? And so it, it's kind of, I, and, like they, the and, they politics. and they like, shouldn't, they don't care no, about I, how he went about it. They care about their, and they condition. shouldn't. And they shouldn't. They should not. I, I, I respect. I will ride for the students all day long. The students have they, they they're on the ground. They're not doing it for the cameras. They don't have high profile positions. They don't have a direct line of communication. Many of them don't have a direct line of communication with the powers that be. So Ed Reed does represent something for them. He, he represents disruption. I got it. Good for them. And they they don't care because they have other issues that aren't being addressed. They shouldn't care, but Ed gotcha. Reed should care. Okay. Ed Reed should, and and and, and he believes Bethune he does, Cookman, and they think he do does. Yeah, but at at his position, you, if he really wanted to get things done, and he got to be a little more strategic, he's emotional. Even with that Roland Martin interview, he's yeah. like, "Man, I turned down." Hey, incredibly. Hey. Hey, come on, bro. Come on. I feel you. I, I love your passion. I love how much you care about this. But a lot of people are passionate. But we have to be passionate. Like, get your passion. I don't care about respectability politics. I don't. I don't. Not even for a second. Don't care. I care about getting stuff done. It, 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 like my, my, my man Lil Rel said, get out. I'm TSA. I handle shit. Okay, I, let's get it done. Let's okay. get it done strategically. Yeah. And like, and got it, like, okay. Like so Dawn Ed, said, solutions. Have, let's talk about solutions. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, well, let, let, this let's is a great topic, and, and we'll keep going on this. We'll keep going. I mean, I'm saying like we, this is not our last time talking about it. Right. We're in it. We're invested. We're not. This is not just a little uh, brother from another drive-by. We're in this no. thing. What else you got? So on this championship Friday preceding <laughs> championship Sunday, let's, let's talk a little bit of football. So 
um, we had a lot of comments in response to the Joe Burrow and Cincinnati discussion that you guys had earlier in the week where Michael was like, this is the era of Joe Burrow. You know, it, it's his time. As one of our commenters said, God is a Bengals fan, you know? Um, and uh, this comment, this other comment, this person is basically saying, why, why is it this thing we do with, you know, he has this kind of help essentially, but Patrick Mahomes doesn't. And he just, he doesn't feel like this kind of talk happened before in the past. And so these are two people who really feel, yes, it is the Bengals' error and it's their time. And so what do you have to say to them? I, you know what? I'm so glad that we're running out of time. That particular one, that particular one, it was like such a, uh, I, I'm going to be inclusive. There was such a straw person being built there. There's a straw person that I'm supposed to go, I'm supposed to go fight with the straw person. All right. No, ain't nobody say that. Ain't nobody say that. All of a sudden, like, oh, why are we talking about, ain't nobody say that. Who said that? So you still don't think it's the error of Joe Burrow yet, do you? Uh, We'll see. We'll see. That's a little little too soon for that. I want (laughs) to see some more results. Like I said, Natalie, we got to get things done first before we crown somebody. They need results. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. All right, you all know I love Martha's Vineyard, right? This week was the week to prepare to go to Martha's Vineyard in the summer. I had to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, get online, just to get a boat. You know what I was told at 5 a.m.? You were number 1,799 in line. And I waited in line until about 6 o'clock in the morning so I could get a boat to Martha's Vineyard. How pathetic is that? Hey, enjoy the game. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 